My name is Matt Brown. And let's start the show. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, January 27th, 2022, and we have quite the adventurous NFL postseason podcast ahead of us. But before we get into that fun, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So what brings us here today, folks? We are previewing the upcoming conference championship games and we're breaking down the historic divisional round that took place this past weekend. The Bengals overcome adversity and take down the number one ranked Tennessee Titans in the AFC. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers come up short as Jimmy G and the 49ers and especially their special teams creates an upset in Lambeau Field and leading them into the NFC Championship. Tom Brady in what could be his final game just comes up short against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams defeat Bucks 30-27. And in what history may look at as one of the greatest games ever played, a battle between two up-and-coming legends and two stellar offenses fighting to the very end where the last two minutes of the game had 24 points between the two teams. The Buffalo Bills fall short to the Kansas City Chiefs in an epic matchup. In overtime, the final score was 42, Kansas City, 36, Buffalo. And here we are, folks. The conference championships are set after a truly exhilarating divisional weekend. We now have in the AFC Championship, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to Kansas City to fight to the bitter end. Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be fun. And then at 6.30 on Sunday night, We have the San Francisco 49ers going to SoFi Stadium and play the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC title game. So this is going to be very, very special. I really think uh, even if we didn't expect these matchups necessarily, I think what we're going to get is another weekend of amazing football, another weekend of great memories, and another weekend to enjoy the moment. So you know who's here. The productive NFL crew is joining me as always. Brian McKeon, Alex Ranelio, and Tommy Brown. Obviously, we're going to give you our picks for the conference championship, and we're going to break down the keys to victory for each team. We're going to reflect and discuss the 
crazy four games that took place over the weekend in one of the greatest divisional weekends of all time. And then we'll also talk about what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and other stuff like that. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this epic podcast that is about to unfold. Alex, Tommy, and Brian, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's preview the conference championships. Let's reflect on the divisional round. And let us enjoy another stellar hour of podcasting. Here we go. Could not get any more special than it did this past weekend in the National Football League's Divisional Round Weekend. Literally, four games, uh, three of the games ended on a game-winning field goal with one game going into overtime. We literally, you know, I've said it many a times before, we've seen legends be made. We saw goats become uh, either goats in a good way or goats in a bad way. You're either the goat or a scapegoat. But all in all, I think uh, we were in for a real treat this past weekend when it came to postseason football. So let's get into it right away. The Productive Conversations football crew coming back at you to reflect on the divisional weekend and then uh, say some words about the conference championship this Sunday, too. So, as always, what's going on? First, let's introduce the great crew we have. Brian McKeon's back. What's going on, Brian? Not so much. Ready for to talk about some football. You know it. Alex Renelio's here. Back in similar fashion. Glad to see you, boys. All right. And then, of course, the great Tommy Brown's here with us as well. What's up, Tommy? What's up, guys? Another great weekend of football. Excited to talk about it. Let's jump into it. So let's go in chronological order. We'll start with on a Saturday afternoon in Nashville, Tennessee. We saw one quarterback enhance his stock. We saw another one essentially end his career. And then all the great storylines in between from a returning Derrick Henry who did make an impact in the game. And then you had lots of turnovers, but yet there were some good defense on the tight end's end. And then it just got all sloppy and all things went crazy after that. But there was a guy named Evan McPherson who took care of business and had the game-winning field goal we had the cincinnati bit the yeah i did say it right we had the cincinnati Bengals defeats the tennessee titans in the first game of the division a week by a final score of wow my thing just popped out on me but we're still making a comeback either way but all in all we had the Bengals defeat the titans in uh, what was a hell of a game. Pretty sloppy, but yet lots of great things going on. I think we could go from the start. So let's start with it. What do you guys think about this game and how it all panned out for Cincy as they are going to their first, they're going to their first AFC championship in over 30 seasons. You know, Joe Burrow made a statement. He's here, the Tennessee Titans. Number one seed knocked out early. And then as they lost 19 to 16, there's a lot to reflect on. So we're slow to the four. What did you guys think of this game? You like it, dislike it? Uh, what you get out of it? Shock. Mm-hmm. Absolute what made, shock. What made it show what made it so shocking? 
you know, you would think the return of Derrick Henry. I was expecting some rust, but, you know, he played okay. Um, I'm just shocked that Ryan Tannehill in one season's time could change so drastic in his um, decision-making and just the amount of turnovers he has. Yes. Um, the, the Titans defense gave nine sacks. I think it's the NFL playoff record. Mm-hmm. Um, and you throw three interceptions. You literally threw away the game. This game should have been, you know, 16 to like three if you don't throw all those, intersec- all those interceptions. You know what I mean? You're giving that team three other chances on those turnovers. And, you know, give it. I give it up to the Bengals. You know, the fact that Joe Burrow put together a good game with getting sacked nine times is amazing. But the Titans really handed this game to the Bengals, I feel, just with the amount of opportunity um, and just the amount of times on offense, you know, actually, you know, make plays and stuff like that. So very shocked, but, you know, it's going to be a high scoring game, I feel, with the Bengals Chiefs now just because of the two high octane offenses. So we'll see. Mm, oh, the pain. Oh, the pain. Yes, I think a big highlight here is the disappointing performance of Ryan Tannenhill. And just look at some stats, 50 for 24 with only 220 yards. And as you said, the three interceptions is a killer. And um, I think he ran out of lives, unfortunately. He was a cat and hit his ninth life. And it would be hard for him to find a starting position in Tennessee now. What do you two think? Tommy and Alex at this game as well. What other things can you add? No, I, I agree with Brian. It, it's shocking, but at the same time, not really, because uh, the Titans coming in were the number one team in the AFC. So you thought their offensive uh, was going to be a lot better, but three picks and nine sacks, really bad. But at the same time, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, I'm Joe Burrow's here to say I'm, I'm hopping on the Joe Burrow bandwagon. I really yes. think he's going to be a special player in the league for years to come. Yeah, that may be their division to win every year uh, for the next few years, too. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with what both, you know, you and Brian said. Tannehill threw the game away, and it, it's it's tough to watch the roller coaster that he is coming over from Miami, basically recreating his career under Arthur Smith and Vrabel. Um you know, in the past two years time. And then just having this huge demise, three turnovers in one game, 15 to 24 for 220 and a touchdown. But it, it feels like as a number one seed with all that time off and the adrenaline and the momentum that that team had, I think the last thing outside of Derrick Henry was um, I think the last person that needed time off outside of Derrick Henry was Ryan Tannehill because when you're on a roll like that and you're asked to do so much you want to keep that ball rolling you want to keep momentum going into the playoffs and you don't want to break stride and I think that they got caught flat-footed in the first half I think they're in their offense stalled and when you change your entire game plan from the second half of this regular season where you're more leaning on Tannehill to carry you you know uh to win after win every game week after week. And then you basically reduce him to a game manager where you, he's just making crucial throws in timely places. Um, and you're, you know, realigning yourself with Derrick Henry in the backfield. That's kind of a hard turn. That's a hard pivot to make. It's almost like stopping, you know, a, tr- a train that left, you know, that left the station on halfway down the tracks. It's not, it's a really, it's a really hard ass to get uh, to, to, to get, you know, and, um, but the only two things that the silver linings that I take away from 
if you're Tennessee is AJ Brown is an absolute stud. I mean, he went five for 142 and a touchdown. And I think they have a really nice counterpart to Derrick Henry um, with Foreman. I mean, he, like I said, he only had four for four carries for 66 yards, but he really had some serious breakaway speed and they may choose to, um, co-align those guys in the backfield uh, in their offense for years to come. Seems like he's somebody that they can kind of rely on through the regular season. Yeah, but that's what Brian, Brian wished his Cowboys did when they had two stellar uh, running backs. Yeah. But yeah, and I, that's still really solid. Four carries for 66 yards. I mean, he had that huge 45-yard run in the game. <clears throat> and um, I mean, this guy is this it's just if they just had a quarterback, the Tennessee Titans would be probably in this game. There's a good chance for that. But, I mean, you're already in the top four of your conference already, and there's no reason why they can't make a push. And like I said, I think we could all agree that it's over for Tannenhill. Time to hit the restart button. I don't think uh, – I think Mike Vrabel play, coached a good game and – um you could say, you could say, we could say with him, but uh, Brian, you had your hand up. What you got something to say? I don't think it's over for Tannehill per se because I think we got to think about it like this: in 2019 and 2020, he threw 22 touchdowns to six interceptions and 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions, and then so 13 interceptions in this season. He had 14. I think it comes down to this season is the fact that he lost Arthur Smith. And there really wasn't a consistency of chemistry in the receiving core for him and for Tannehill and his boys, besides AJ Brown, just because Julio was constantly hurt. Yep. They don't have a true number three receiver and they lost Janu Smith. So I think this free agency, I also think just based on cap space with them and the amount of players they need to pay on defense and the offensive line. And then eventually now with the, you know, Derrick Henry is going to have a contract coming up. Um, I think Tannehill might be the only option just due to financial reasons, a middle of the pack quarterback. You got to also remember he was eighth in the league in QBR rating this year. So he is efficient. It's just, I think he needs more chemistry in the system right now. So I still think they give another year flyer on him, Yeah. but if they could try to get like uh, David Njoku as a tight end, as a free agent, this uh, off season, and maybe try to find themselves like a good slot. Um, I think that they might be able to help him out more. He just needs a yeah. more consistent, maybe another off season in the system might help him. I think, yeah, another year in the seat, the system might help because they lost LaFleur and then the year later they lost Arthur Smith. That's a lot of change in a lot in a short amount of time. And I think, you know, Still winning too. Brian, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think, and I think what, what you're alluding to Brian is kind of the point I was making, which is, you know, you're asking him to carry the franchise after Derrick Henry's injury, but then you're trying to reduce him back down to game manager in mm -hmm. two weeks off of a stretch where, um, you know, you're trying to, you know, pivot your identity on offense. And that's a lot to ask for a player like him. So when it is time to make those crucial plays, he's not really that guy that you were expecting him to be. So I'm not letting him off the hook. I think, you know, there were, there were like, again, there were huge blunders and the biggest opportunities on the, on the biggest stage, but it's a lot to ask um, just to scrap, you know, your, your starting quarterback who's achieved so much in a rebirth in Tennessee. And also I mind you, it's a lot harder to get a new serviceable quarterback when you got Indianapolis now on your heels every year in that division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know that is the weakest division in the NFL, essentially. You can make the argument next to the NFC 
NFC East and they're just incompetent, but on a pure talent level, it's that. And yeah, so lots to digest in that sense. But uh, the other thing I want to just focus on with this game before we move on is again, hitting on Joe Burrow who threw 348 yards, no touchdowns, but you know, still cut them throughout was able to get him in field in a good field goal position for Keith McPherson to knock in that game winning field goal. And then Tommy, we heard your emphasis on Joe Burrow. You're hopping on that Joe Burrow bandwagon. Is there anything else you can emphasize on this? And, um, you know, what you see for his career long term at this point with the stellar weapons they have with people like Jamar Chase and um, Higgins and Boyd and stuff like that? Uh, no, just Joe Burrow. He's always played with that chip on his shoulder ever since college. Uh, like he, 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 it showed that from his last year in college that he can play at the highest level well, for college at the, at the time, but he can win uh, championships for your team. So, uh, you know, Joe Burrow, he's, he got the Bengals first win in 31 years, not just one, one playoff win, but two playoff wins in 31 years, which is really cool. Uh, really awesome. So now uh, he's going to continue to wow me. I think and it's going to do some good things in the NFL. Awesome. We'd love to hear that insight when we preview the conference championship and how you think he'll do on Sunday. So let's talk about the next game, a game that may change the shit, the NFL perspective. We had the San Francisco 49ers go down to Lambeau and ultimately in a battle of special teams, they won 13 to 10, knocking out the number one seed Packers ending Aaron Rodgers season and they're keeping up their magical run. Jimmy G wins another playoff game. Everybody he's playing in his second conference championship in three seasons. Oh, what a lot. What a game to digest. Whether you can talk about Aaron Rodgers, you know, laying a duck in this game did not play his best game. We could talk about the catastrophic block block punt that took place in their own end zone that led to a touchdown. And then it was a shit show from there. You know, I think this was a game of where the Packers gave it away. You talked about how the Titans gave away the game against Cincy. I think the Packers gave away this one, especially on the special team side. And who would have thought, I'm just saying, who would have thought and an okay Aaron Rodgers game with 13 degree letter little snow would not be good enough for him. And Jimmy G takes it though. No, no touchdowns for him either. He did go 11 for 19, 131 yards. But as I said, good running game that took place with Evan Mitchell. And then um, a lot to digest as San Francisco moves on. Where do we start before we do like a lot of people are doing talk about Aaron Rodgers in this. Obviously he's the big thing to talk about in this game. Why don't we just talk about what went wrong here? What went wrong for the Packers and what went right for the 49ers? Um, well, I'll go first. Um, well, definitely the, the special teams uh, was the biggest part of the game. Um, you know, George Kettle said coming in the game, it doesn't get better. Uh, 13 degree weather, snow and Lambo in a playoff game. It doesn't get better than that. So I think, you know, having, or it was going to be a low scoring game uh, coming in because of the weather. So uh, things like the special teams, it's, you're going to need people or you're going to need the special teams to uh, 
step up for the uh like offense uh not producing as well because of the weather. So the special teams was definitely, obviously it was, de- yeah, it was definitely the the biggest part of the game. And uh, the reason why the 49ers won. Mm-hmm. Couldn't say it any better, Mr. Brown, with that, in that coldness. Brian, what did you see? What did you really get out of it? I know that uh, you had a lot of good things to say about San Fran coming into this game. It seems you're right on. So how are you feeling about hitting this one? Yeah, so, I, you know, I've, I was mentioning to you, I think, I don't know if I did in the first podcast or just over texting a couple of weeks ago, I always thought that San Fran was going to be the dark horse Super Bowl team mm-hmm. um, just because of the way they their style play, their defensive schemes, and their offense in my eyes. You know, it doesn't rely on the quarterback which I like um, because you don't need to rely on, you know, Aaron Rodgers to make like the green Bay to make all these crazy plays and stuff like that, that we know Aaron Rodgers does. They rely heavy on the run. They have a good ability to have, they have a number one receiver who also could play running back. So they have good scheme with that. So they have a lot of different moving parts that allows them to manage a game correctly. And their special teams are phenomenal. Like I'm looking at the play by play right now, the first half. And in my eyes, this is the only reason why, you know, San Fran stay in the game. And it was just due to the fact that the special teams and the defense for San Fran held out so well. So when touchdown Green Bay, San Fran punt, Green Bay fumble, punt, 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 San Fran interception, end of half Green Bay. So that alone right there just shows you that, you know, it's a consistent grind back and forth game. And it really, you know, it just came down to, you know, some some luck, some good luck, a fumble here, a fumble there, a special teams touchdown. You know, the San Fran team reminds me a lot of the Blake Bortles era Jacksonville uh, Jacksonville Jaguars mm. of a nice sound defense throughout. You know, they had their guys like Kalias Campbell and Jalen uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey. They don't have a star cornerback, San Fran, but they have an overall really good secondary that works together well. The D-line's good, and they have that good rookie running back like Leonard Fournette. And they got guys like Sam, Samuel and Ayuk, which is like the Allen Robinson, you know, kind of guy. And I think Ayuk that he could be, they got their tight ends and they got a quarterback that's like, you know, below twenties, like Bortles at the time. So I think they could, you know, tear, you know, tear it up a little bit and cause some chaos. So I'm excited. Tough because Blake Bortles was at one. I don't know now, but he definitely was the, uh, one of the backups for Aaron Rodgers this season. So yeah, comes to haunt him again. Oh man. And Alex, did you, uh, were you impressed, decompressed, or a mixture of both coming into this well, game? Or what you saw? Well, to be transparent, I had uh, my cousin, his best buddy, uh, fanatical Niners fans to the left of me, and we were all having some cocktails. So it was a fun. It was a fun Saturday night. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I the, the game. I mean. Once I got the weather report and I knew that the temperatures were going to, I mean, we all knew temperatures were going to drop, but the precipitation was going to affect this game in some form or fashion. I expected a little more on the ground, on the ground game um, between Debo and Mitchell for San Fran, but I basically expected a low scoring game. Once I saw the forecast, Um, I thought San Fran just made one or two extra plays. Like kind of like Brian mentioned, you know, a lot of punts, a lot of, um, a lot of special teams, um, that really took San Francisco over the top in the second half. Uh, you know, neither neither quarterback was stellar. I thought the defenses really showed out as they should um, in inclement weather. But I thought you know Kittle made a huge uh, a few a huge third down catches that continued some drives for them um, to burn up and chew more clock in the second half. And uh, 
if you look at the front four for San Francisco, they combined for 17 tackles, three assists, and um, two sacks just from Armstead alone. So they really kind of collapsed the pocket. Yeah, they really collapsed the pocket and put pressure on Rodgers on the second half. And, you know, if you look at the tape for Green Bay, I mean, a lot of this stuff was, I mean, tailor-made for the kind of game that they have, you know, between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They only combined for what sixty six yards total as a team. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just pathetic. And you knew it had to be a ground game with the weather involved. Um, I thought that while you know Jones and Devontae had huge games in the air, I thought that Aaron kind of forced a few too many balls to Devontae when he had Alan Lazard um, on a few crossing routes, notably in the middle of the field that he could have hit for to continue drives. But I felt like they force fed Devontae a little too much in the second half. So you know, I think that what it comes down to watching this game was San Francisco just took advantage of the opportunities given. Um, They won on all three phases of the game, especially particularly special teams. And I think that that ground game is what's going to sustain them in the second round when they uh, have a grunge match with, uh, with, uh, with the Rams. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I didn't see this coming. I really thought the green Bay Packers were going to pull this off overall, but you know, this, and it's weird to call it a Cinderella story because these team, this team just keeps winning and winning, but they weren't really highly thought of at least coming into this season. And, you know, it's all about being hot at the right time when you're San Francisco and uh, also some awful drops on from the weapons in the Packers game. I really think also whether I think it was Lewis who had that really bad drop during the fourth quarter, making that comeback, but um yeah, I just uh, obviously can't win if you can't catch the ball. And real quick, too, um, before we move on, they, they they noted it a little bit in the pregame and a lot of the pressers throughout the week leading up to the game, um, especially with more of the analysis-driven football shows and on the morning on the morning casts, that, that Green Bay uh, special teams unit is very, very susceptible and vulnerable, and that was a big, huge concern for LaFleur and that coaching staff throughout the week. And I think that um, – Kyle Shanahan had those guys buttoned up and ready to go and understood that a ball here or there was going to change that game. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah. And like we said, look at that block, that block punt official. Um, it shows you exactly what you're talking about and it turned to a nightmare and that just killed momentum. So last thing to talk here, which will be a, obviously a topic conversation for a while. The first player we'll talk about, is he staying or going with Aaron Rodgers after the most controversial single season off the field, at least for Aaron Rodgers and a quarterback, one of the most controversials off the field, you know, next to the ones who've done crimes, but only he just didn't take a shot and lied about it. But anyways, Aaron Rodgers caused a lot of stir, but yet had another MVP caliber season. And now we see what happens from here on out. Um, he was on. He finished his final Pat McAfee Tuesday appearance, and he said pretty much, just paraphrasing, that he doesn't know what he's doing, but he'll make a decision at least before the free agency period begins, because he thought that wouldn't be fair, and it is. I know Aaron Rodgers at least under contract for another season, and we'll see. A is he retiring? Is he going to be a game show host? Will he go to another team in another conference, like in the Steelers or Denver? Or um, are they going to 
get rid of him in conference. Well, also the Raiders to another possibility. I mean, say the uh, 49ers make a push again. Does he go to San Fran anyways? Um, lots of possibilities, but this is probably the closest we'll talk about what he's going to do before he actually makes his decision, assuming he's keeping his word. So I'll ask you guys out there, where, where do we see Aaron Rodgers going from here on out? What's the next move for him after this very tough, hard to swallow, hard pill to swallow loss? I could, I could see an even playing field between either Denver, Miami or Pittsburgh, but I think all three are, are options that are viable on the table. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I just – I can't really wrap my head around and fathom the idea of leaving Green Bay just simply because of the roster that they've constructed around him. Yeah. I know people want to bash and, and make, you know, Gutekunst this you know, the scapegoat in that front office, but they've done a tremendous job not only sacrificing their future plans but also giving him, you know, the requisite pieces and – you know, giving into the desires and, and the things that he's demanded over the years um, in order to win. I think they fulfilled that prophecy for, for Rogers. I just don't think that him going another place is going to correct his shortcomings in the postseason. I think he needs to take a lot of this on the chin. Mm-hmm. Because we know he's done it already. <laughs> what uh, do you say? I, I agree with Alex. Um I think, well, no, I want, I think Rodgers will stay, but I, I agree that uh, there is still a team that if he stays, there will be still be a good team for him to play with. Um, I just think he'll have one more year with the Packers and he'll either retire after next year or he'll leave uh, once when his contract is up. Mm. Do you feel the same way, Brian, or differently? So in my eyes, there's a few options. Um, I'll start with the organization first. Um, if I'm then in a Green Bay, I know that 2023, his contract's voided. So this is one year left. Um, in my eyes, you know he's probably going to leave or retire after that year just based on if this goes bad again. Why not trade him and get value? He's an MVP guy every year. He's going to, if he goes to a place, you know, like Denver, he could probably win a ring. You want to send him out of the conference. Why not trade him and get value? You have Jordan Love. You get a few picks. You get some, you know, get a receiver, build up that O line a little bit more. You could do that. And then there's also the option of Aaron Rodgers saying I could retire and go off and play Jeopardy in the sunset. But you also also you know had the option for him, which what I would do if I was him, I'd play in Green Bay one season, go all out again, try to you know recruit some free agents, and if it doesn't work out again in 2023. If Tom Brady is decides to play one more season and retires, why not walk into the Buccaneers as a free agent with all those wide receivers and weapons with a guy like Bruce Arians and a defense ready to win another Super Bowl? Go yes. from a loaded team to a loaded team just because of an aging out quarterback and Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, you would get the same type of quarterback, just a, a little younger. Tommy, I saw you got, you had a big smile on your face for that. Oh, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. That could be would, a possibility. It would make sense. But if he stays in Green Bay, I think a main thing that they have to do 
is they have he has to have a humbling situation and realize this. When he won a Super Bowl, they had a really good running team, very good running team, and he didn't he wasn't forced to make spectacular throws. Once he got that big contract after the Super Bowl, he became the ego guy of I want to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. And you could see in the postseason, yes, he has the ability to extend, you know, make those throws, make those crazy plays, be an MVP level. But what if he just settles back more and they go more run heavy use and with a good defense and they actually have more time of possession. If you look at his time of possession over the years, they continues to decrease because he throws the ball more. Go back to the way you won a Super Bowl, which was having a very strong running game and then having the ability for him to make those throws because he can. He doesn't have to do it all. I think that's the issue with Aaron Rodgers. He tries to do it all. And yeah, do. Oh, sorry. Just to re- respond to that. I mean, yes, that of course, that's the obvious answer. That is just to pivot your style and approach to that offense. But again, this is Aaron Rodgers. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Peyton Manning. Guys who are willing to sacrifice later in their career to adapt to an offense. I think his ego is up here, and I think the organization is way down here. And I think that optimistic thinking would say absolutely he could pivot right into this and and contribute to a, a better well-run offense um and team as a whole but i just think it's hard to teach old dog new new tricks i agree on that yeah i feel i feel that at the end of the day it's going to be his ego making the decision all in all because if he was humble to start with this one and a half this whole crazy year wouldn't have started when the draft when he said he's thinking uh, or he's not happy. So I say uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to say, I think he's going to just hang it up. He doesn't know. I think in his ego sense, does he need to prove anything? He's obviously a first ballot hall of famer. He obviously, he does have the super bowl. I'll bite that's now 12 years ago. Um, I feel that he, the, the vibes I get, that, you know, he just wants to f- go focus on the next phase of his life. At least that's what I get with these decisions and stuff. But um, I definitely hope that's not the case. I'd like to see him try one more time, too. Do you, but, do, um, do you think – sorry. I was just going to say, do you think any of his contingency plans has to do with uh, what Brady does this offseason? Like if Brady retires, do you think that he follows suit or that he makes his moves accordingly? No, I think he's making a pure Aaron Rodgers decision and there's no other quarterbacks going to dictate that. I, I really think that's the case. Like whether he gets it a jeopardy, even though I think that's long gone with that host, they really like in Miriam Bylock or that he, they create a whole new show for him. You know, the, the game show that takes over the, the airways or something, or he becomes like a Joe Rogan commentator <laughs> Like we know for a fact that he will be in Austin, Texas at some point this offseason for them to talk and uh, say, look at all these haters against this type of pod, which I would love. But I really think that Aaron Rodgers is making a solely Aaron Rodgers decision and he just doesn't care. Because I think the only refute uh, the only refuting to that is, you know, think about the train of thought though. Like if, if Brady does retire or, um, yeah, if, if he does retire, you know, 
there's really not a lot of superpowers in the NFC to, to really compete with. The AFC is stacked with all these 10-year quarterbacks that are going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. you got Herbert, Mahomes, um, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. you got all these all these teams and all these high-power offenses you're going to have to deal with. And I don't know if him going to Miami, Pittsburgh, um, any of the names we've mentioned, is going to Denver if those are going to be an answer in the cards for him. I think – let's say Brady does retire and hang it up. Like he may have the green light in that conference. Yeah. He, he, if he would think you would think that he'd recognize that, but he's just, he's an enigma. He's, he's really unpredictable. That's, that's where I think it's hard to gauge what's going on. Let me mention this in 2023, the free agents for quarterbacks will be Kirk cousins, Garoppolo, Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Kyla Murray, Baker Mayfield. So you have a lot of teams opening like the Browns. Mm-hmm. You have the Bucks. You have the Rams. You know, you do, it's a possibility that he might just see, you know, San Fran if Trey Lance doesn't pan out because you know he's going to be the QB next year. There's a lot of possibilities for Rodgers right now that he might just wait it out another year and just see what happens. True. Yeah, you true think. That. The only thing Tommy once told me this that he wants to admit it, he doesn't throw a pass during the offseason until oh. training camp. <laughs> like he like I don't it's a while ago that he said that. That on uh, Agathy, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think like does this guy care enough about football? He's not even training. And yet and look look how good he is. This, you could be an MVP without training. He's a Mickey, he's the equivalent of Mickey Mantle in baseball who didn't take care of his body. And I think definitely he takes it much better than he would in the 60s. But, you know, if you don't practice your own craft, you can only go so far. And yet that just shows how gifted some of these athletes are. So we'll see what time will tell with Aaron Rodgers. And we'll just have the trolls and all the new football fans that I noticed over on Twitter this weekend have something to say about Aaron Rodgers. And uh, that's why he's a very interesting character because he does just bark conversations. So anyways, so let's get to it on the Sunday where you had um, this epic game. At first, we thought it was going to be the only blow out of the weekend. And then Tom Brady did Tom Brady things. And yet 42 seconds was just enough time for Matt Stafford to get his team in a field goal range, leading to a game-winning field goal by Matt Gay. And the Rams win 30-27, to pull off the upset against Tampa Bay. Obviously, we pretty much hit on the heels with what we think of Tom Brady. At least we were starting that conversation. But let's, again, just table that really quick and just focus on this game right here. Who You know, this would have been some game if we talked about you know, the Rams blowing it probably Sean McVay would not be looked at as this prodigy anymore, but you know, sometimes the ball really does flow your way and it really did. And when, you know, you had Matt Stafford in his first playoff win, finally the man throws over 366 yards, two touchdowns, 20 for 33. We had cam acres again, they pushing that ball down the field. Another great game from Odell Cooper Cup. You knew that from those deep receptions he had throughout the game that, man, this guy should honestly be the MVP. I mean, he really carried this team as a wide receiver. And then a slow start kills the Buccaneers. 
and they just literally ran out of time. But again, when Tom Brady throws 329 yards himself, when you had Leonard Fournette throwing down the ball and then Mike Evans being Mike Evans, it was a, a game to remember for sure. But again, before we go focus on Tom Brady in this game as a whole, what do you think um, is the big takeaway from this epic matchup in Tampa Bay? Um, well, I said, you go, oh, you go first. Okay. Um, I said last week, uh, in order for the Rams to continue to win uh, is get, get their best players the ball. Um, Cooper Cup did what he had to do. Matt Stafford didn't turn over the ball. Odell played good. Uh, the only negative was Cam Akers, Cam Akers fumbling the ball four times. Uh, but hats off to the Rams getting it done. Uh, they just got to clean up the uh, run game for them coming next week. Coming in next week. I think this game. Oh, yeah, sorry, you can't tell me. My bad. Oh, I was just saying, big moves were made throughout. Um, game was my favorite game I watched um, of the early afternoons uh, since the playoffs began, and I just feel that Stan uh, Matt Stafford has finally like gone over that like hump of like he has confidence now, and I don't know if it's just the McVeigh having like an offensive-minded guy like McVeigh who's absolutely brilliant in his year. Um, I don't know if it's that that he hasn't, you know, fantastic receivers and there's just confidence all around. And maybe it's the, you know, the air and sun in Los Angeles, but whatever it is, he's been drinking the Kool-Aid and it's going off really well. I think this playoffs in the last, let's say five, six games of the Rams uh, season has just come, has also really shown to me that um, Odell Beckham was not washed at all. And it just is an indictment yeah. on Baker Mayfield of how bad of a quarterback he is. I told um, Matt that. <laughs> yeah, because this man is bowling mm-hmm. out, and he isn't a, he isn't a locker room problem as Matt Stafford and a p- bunch of players are saying. I think it just comes down to he might be a little misunderstood because he's sort of a wide receiver diva, but his numbers are fantastic right now. He's you know besides Cooper Cup being like the reliable, flashy player that he is, he's really looking for Odell Beckham a lot now, and he has confidence in him. And as long as I see you know Stafford going through his progressions and not just targeting Cooper cup, which is always a fear in my eyes when you have such a receiver like that, like with Roger Rogers and Devonte Adams, as long as you continue that progression and trust your other receivers, I don't see them not winning in the conference championship and going to the Super Bowl. Can you imagine if green Bay or Tampa took Odell when he was around? Yeah, could have been a totally different world. Seriously. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> Don't want any dead air. Don't want any yeah. dead air. My bad. No, I think I think I think you guys pretty much covered everything I was going to mention. I thought that going into this game, I thought Matt, Matt Stafford had to be essentially a game manager with a few extra throws, and I thought that they were going to lean heavily on that defense of the front four to make Brady uncomfortable, and that's pretty much what they did from kickoff. I thought that. Tampa looked a little flat out the gates. We knew that they were banged up. We knew that they were injured and um, a little hamstrung with their weapons. Um, And they just didn't come prepared from kickoff. I thought that they dug themselves quite a hole. And the only reason they got close in the second half was because there were a few consecutive turnovers. And I felt that Brady was really, really uh, immaculate in the passing game, um, catching up to speed. I thought that 
you know, between Evans and Gronk, they both had huge days, eight for 119 for Evans and Gronk had four for 85. And that was mostly on cleanup duty in the second half, but they really took advantage of things in the second half. But Von Miller and Aaron Donald were really the story um, all the way through, through four quarters. They both combined for six tackles, um, three assisted and two sacks. And then you get another additional sack from Leonard Floyd and two tackles. I think between the three of them and their, their front four as a whole, I thought that they kept Tampa's offense uh, on their heels. And I thought that they put a lot of pre- pressure on Vita Vea and Ryan Jensen um, coming back from injury, not being hundred percent, um, they, they, you know, they executed the game plan. I thought that McVeigh through four quarters pretty much out coached against Arians, and uh, it was just a little too little too late um, when it came to the end of the game. I thought Cooper Cup was unbelievable um, front to back. He had a monster day, and uh, they kind of just did what they had to do. Um, it wasn't really a shock to me. I knew that they had the firepower from when we talked pregame. Um, I felt that Rams on paper were overmatched, and I wasn't sure um, if Stafford was going to shine, but he did. He lived up to expectations, and this is what they paid him for. Yeah, especially the two-minute drill. I think that's the most valuable thing, that he didn't let the pressure get to him, and he did this on the road. And, I mean, what more momentum can you ask for this Rams team? After going to the Super Bowl just two years prior, and all it took, the roster essentially the same. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, big deal. Von Miller, another big deal. And they were real contributors on the defensive side of the ball this whole postseason so far. And I mean, Von Miller got a fumble recovery in, in the game. I mean, wow, that guy did not miss a beat after if he was like in hibernation for. The Broncos and random fun fact, you know, the Broncos haven't made the postseason in six seasons. I thought that was crazy. Just noticed that. But anyways, oh, wow. Von Miller, big. Uh, it shows this could be a, the, the game changing, uh, the season changing uh, offseason move. And yeah, you just add a couple of assets on defense, keep the line better and um, add even better weapons. Obviously, Odell's better than Brandon Cook's. Cooper Cup was the constant, but he just evolved. He literally went from, um, well, I can't believe I forget this, Squirtle to Blastoise almost. He really evolved to such like that. And then you have, you know, you know, this is this is as good as it gets. You know, they miss Roy Woods. Higby but, too. Yeah, Tyler Higby, one of the most underrated tight ends in the game. Um, the Rams stepped up and they end Tom Brady's season and we're definitely getting a new Super Bowl champion this season. So speaking of that, Alex, you started that conversation with, um, you know, what Brady's going to do. You know, I guess now what we have updated so far from that podcast is that it's going to be a big family decision. Some of the um, things on the table include the major cap hit the Buccaneers would get if he retires early, which I think is like $40 million. Um, They really don't have much of a contingency plan right now. Under contract one more season. Uh, Tom Brady said that he wouldn't necessarily announce if he had a farewell tour, but I think he's coming back for one more season. He won't say like, this is my last season. He won't Derek Jeter it or Kobe it or uh, Marion Rivera. He'll just go about it. 
And, um, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, go out with number eight. Or if he's gone, then um, he accomplishes goal playing until 45. Who would have thought that that felt like only, you know, 100 years ago and we're about to be here. So what else do we guys think about Tom Brady's decision after what I mentioned, if he's coming or going? No, um, I I actually think the uh, opposite of you, Matt. Um, I think, you know, Brady, he is mm. the greatest player this this uh, this sport has ever seen. Um, I don't think a player like that is just gonna say, "All right, that that that's been a career." I think he'll he'll play his last year uh, and have a like a farewell tour. Uh, mm-hmm. You see, he's he's big on social media. He posts all these like that sometimes are funny. Sometimes are like really cool edits or like all these like just social media videos. And I think he'll post something saying that this, this is the last one. And uh, yeah, we'll be like a farewell tour for him. And every ticket will be $3,000 to start. Probably. I think it depends really on how the Bucks go about the offseason, um, what pl- free agents stay, what go, um, if they could add, you know, another receiver, which would be nice, just like a third option because you have God when you have Evans, you know, what's the standing with Fournette and Ronald Jones, um, has that offensive line is good, but could we get it better and could we keep that defense intact? Because right now, you know, they're a great team, though, that, you know, with that division now, especially with Sean Payton um, stepping away, you know, it's up for grabs in my eyes because I see I don't see the Falcons or the Panthers making any splashes. So in my eyes, you know, that might actually become um, the worst division in the league um, and replace the one with, you know, just with um, the, what is it, the uh, AFC West, uh, not West, AFC uh, South. So um, I think that, you know, this, you know, he might stay for another one. Also, a big thing on him is, you know, he wants to expand his, you know, career outside of football like with Brady brand. And since that came out midseason, I think he might want to do a full season of Brady Brady brand merch, having wearing that, get more exposure, advertisements and stuff like that, because he is a smart businessman. So I could see him, you know, continue to, you know, that's a little little small asterisk of why to stay. But Nick Wright made a really good comment today um, on Brady um, about like his family and stuff like that. If he retires in five years or he retires in seven years right now, say he played to like 50 or something like that, he's <laughs> retiring earlier than 99% of most people retire in their lifetime ever. So I really don't think he's really worried about family. I think it's more or less like, okay, let's see what's going on right now. Do I want to, you know, go off into the sunset or I just want to cut it short and, you know, not do anything, no farewell tour. So, you know, I think he's going to definitely think about it because, you know, he is like in year 23 and he hasn't really had a big injury since that ACL. So he's probably saying, all right, something's due soon. I'm getting old. I took a lot of hits. So, We'll see. Yeah, he, the sad reality is he's just one hit away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I guess well that really does have to pit out, whether it's for PR saying that or he just wants to chill. Like, this is only, what, the second time in a, literally about 10 years that he's not playing in a conference championship game. So he's not really used to going out this early, but maybe – he just finally could chill, have the spotlight on this new generation. And we got the best of the new generation on Sunday night where we saw a game that I think history will look at as one of the greatest ever played. And I mean, what, what can I say that not every, that everyone hasn't added to Aaron, sorry, 
you had Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, and they made their mark. And a final score in overtime, 42 to 36, the Chiefs are back in the AFC Championship for now the fourth consecutive season. And I mean, no one will ever forget the final two minutes, 24 points in two minutes. And when Josh Allen made a stellar um, drive down the field, you really would have thought that 13 seconds would be enough, but it wasn't too much time on the clock. They kick it to him. They kick it into the end zone. And, you know, we could debate um, in a couple of seconds whether they should have kicked, squibbed it, keep it in bounds or what. But either or, it was enough time for Patrick Mahomes to get down to field goal range and they kick it. And then we have the coin toss. And then, you know, that's another ruckus that we could complain about in a couple of seconds as well. How do you do the overtime rules? But either or. The defense could have stopped them, but they didn't. And um, ultimately, a Travis Kelsey eight-yard touchdown reception leads to the big win. So, I mean, where do we even start with this game? We talk about Josh Allen becoming a lead. We talk about Patrick Mahomes being legendary. Um, And I really think that Buffalo Bills fans would not be sleeping for a week. The Bills Mafia is on insomnia watch at this point. Oh, don't worry. They're not because I lived with one of them. <laughs> oh, the pain. It's been rough. Yeah. I mean, geez, Gabriel Davis, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey again. I mean, you can't get any better offensively than that. So, just what are you guys' initial thoughts thinking of this game when you talk, when they talk about that? AFC Divisional Matchup 2022. What are you guys thinking? What do you take out of this game? Now you you said the saying these are where uh, these games are where legends are made of, and uh, you know on Sunday night I think Josh Allen showed that you know he's going to be a legend uh, in this league, and uh, Mahomes and uh, Mahomes versus Allen is going to be uh, a showdown for for the making, and they're going to be the new Brady and a uh, Brady versus Manning in this generation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you couldn't say it any better, man. This was just special to watch. Straight up special. And so, one, you were saying? You want to go, Brian? You want me to go? You go first. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we all saw what we saw, and it was just, it was just like an unbelievable matchup between two amazing offenses. Um, I don't think we can kid ourselves about it. I thought, and it it made itself apparently clear, like it was fate that this was going to be a shootout from, from the opening kickoff because Tyron Matthew got literally hurt the first quarter. And I was like, Oh God, this, yeah, it was, it was brutal. And I was like, this is just going to be a freaking bloodbath through the air and on the ground. Um, Yeah. I mean, Tyreek was Tyreek. Kelsey was Kelsey. They were unbelievable. Pat Mahomes was unbelievable. Josh Allen. Um, yeah, this is where, you know, these are these are going to be the two quarterbacks in the AFC to run the show for the next uh, eight to ten years, and I couldn't be more excited about it. And I like that we're at a point where the conference is more competitive than it's ever been and that these two guys are the poster children for it. Um, I think that they reflect where the NFL is going with the, you know, with the passing game being as elite as it is. And – um, having, you know, 
all the weapons requisite, you know, the faces surrounding um, the team in that manner. But I just thought that there was a lot of things that kind of took me back by surprise with, with both Buffalo and Kansas city. I thought that Stefan Diggs was nowhere to be found. He got blanketed and I don't really know. Seven yards. Yeah. Unbelievable. And everybody knew going in that he was the number one guy completely healthy didn't understand that at all. Um, Singletary and McKenzie only combined for 41 yards on the ground. I mean, look, they've always been running back by committee, but 41 total rushing yards. Can't have that. Um, yeah, you know, Gabriel Davis had a miraculous game through and through from the beginning to the end, but it just made them one-dimensional completely from from uh, the opening kickoff. I thought that put a little too much extra pressure on Buffalo to execute. Um, I think Kansas City – it's 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 tough because I've never been a guy that's like the first guy up on the on the on the podium saying we need to reform this rule and we need to reform that rule. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it just sucks having to watch the game end the way it did. And I thought that Kansas City had a case to be made in 2019 when they lost at you know Brady's Patriots um, in the AFC Championship game. I thought they had a case then, and I still think that the Bucks. I mean that uh, Buffalo has a chance, uh, a case now because it's hard to ask. It's 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 one thing to end a game in that manner in overtime during the regular season, but when it's for all the marbles, you got to make some reformational changes. It's just it's inevitable. It has to happen. Um, there's too much there. The stakes are on the line. Careers are on the line, you know, cause we, we don't know what, what, what the outcome of this is going to be. Brian Dable could be gone next year. The offense could be totally different despite all of this and what changed um, even with a masterful showcase that was the offense of Buffalo. So I, I think that they're going to have to look at this. Um, they're going to have to make tweaks and changes to it. I mean, the simple answer would, would be to be just have, Give, give give the team that loses the kickoff, give them a chance to score a touchdown, and then you go from there. But um, uh, it was just an unbelievable game. It was just sad to see it the, and, and the way it did. Okay. Definitely want to hit on that um, in a few minutes. But, Brian, you have anything else to add on this initial game? Sorry, that was all yeah, over I got, the place. <laughs> I couldn't agree, couldn't agree more with Alex. Like I think overtime, I've never liked the idea of overtime of that, you know, coin toss win and a score, it's done for a touchdown. Like I just don't really see how that's like a real depiction of the game uh, of the other four quarters. Um, like in the NBA, you play a shortened version of another quarter, right? Why can't they play instead of 15 minutes, seven and a half? I don't understand, you know, if it's about time or commercial time and you don't want to pay ads and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. Um, I think it would be a smart idea. You would get more. It'd be a lot more interesting. It'd be a lot more fair to both teams that work. Maybe do that for just the playoffs. Maybe during the regular season, have it just be the usual shootout kind of thing. Uh, Because it's not really fair to the teams. You know, you got to also remember, um, by the time it's overtime, defenses are fatigued, especially in a high-scoring offense uh, game like this. Defenses are running around all over the place. You know that one, you have one drive is very hard on a defense at that point. They're gassed, so I think you need to give the option to the other team to at least try to score. But uh, I mentioned to, uh, this to you earlier in the week. Um, I think this was the passing of the torch game of. Some, some like quarterbacks, you know what I mean? I think Mahomes has taken the Aaron Rodgers mantle of I could do absolutely anything and everything, minus the ego. We'll see. It might, that might take some time. Um, leave I think that Josh, to the brother. Yes, leave that to the brother, and the exactly. Fiance. 
Yeah, but I also think that Josh Allen officially in my eyes solidified himself as the second coming of Brett Favre. A straight gunslinger with a cannon of an arm who has who does wow. throw has has some nice turnovers, right? But I see Brett Favre when I watch him. You know, he had makes those out of nowhere sneaky slip out of the pocket and do a, get a couple 20 yards on a pickup and stuff like that. And then bringing up another game before, I think Joe Burrow is the next Tom Brady in that type of style of play and that cerebral mind. So I think we see the passing of the torch of the young rookie QBs and then, you know, the couple year veterans right now really cementing themselves as the next passing of the torch. Yeah. I think that is a special thing. We'll always remember which was the big weekend that things transitioned to the other side. And so just to hit on those overtime rules too. So you, do you all vote that the, we should have, like you said, in the NBA, just 10 minutes go, whoever wins wins at the, and leave it to regulation. And, you know, won't, we won't talk about even though, Hey, if you're tired, the defense do it anyways. Even if that is just, you know, it be like that. Do you, does anyone necessarily oppose that? or keep it the way it has to be. I'm sure uh, I'll throw it out there too, but we wouldn't want the exactly the college overtime rules. That would be a little, you know, amateurish almost with these professionals. But does it, do you all want to see that with enough outcry? The, I wouldn't uh, say, I wouldn't say oppose, but definitely uh, a system where you give both offenses and defenses a shot. Um or another like an yeah an overtime chance where um, yeah. it's sudden death and uh, best man wins uh, for whatever uh, they do either uh, it's yeah seven and a half minute quarter or um, if you score you got to score if you score and and uh, don't score then that person wins so um, it should be interesting the I know Roger Goodell's term or contract ends in I believe two years so hopefully. Uh, the new commissioner, whoever it is, can maybe uh, change some rules with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a, you know, I'm, I'm an equal representation kind of guy. You got to give all four phases of the this game an opportunity to play in the overtime. And when I say four phases, I mean like the offense and defense of both teams. So I just think that if you give all four units a crack at it, I think that's the fairest way to uh, resolve this hear that and the last thing with this game that we'll talk about our picks for this upcoming Sunday when it came to the kickoff like I said 13 seconds to go kick it in the end zone clock never moved starting on their 25 and uh, like I said enough they gave enough uh, uh, they oddly gave uh, Mahomes enough time to get down to the field and it helps when you have Tyreek Hill's legs going he made the big reception that game deep and then um, you know, we obviously know what happens. Do you feel um, they messed up with that kick? Should have been more of a squib and keep a couple seconds off, even if, um, you know, as soon as the ball hits the ground, you, I mean, depending on, you know, the situation, sure, the uh, someone on the receiving team could have kneeled it or whatever. Do we feel uh, that kick uh, should have been different or, you know, they did what they had to do and they just, had the better team win. 
you know, there's always the debate that, you know, kick it out of the end zone. It goes to the 25 yard line and you have the time left. You know, it's a little hard just to be able to be accurate enough as a kicker to maybe squib or like pooch it and try to get it within the, you know, 10 yards of the first 10 yards of the field. So it's a little difficult to do. Um, in those kind of situations, I think they did the right thing, but it would have been interesting to see if, let's say, you know, they kicked it and four or five seconds came off and they're at the 30 or 35 yard line. Cause in that kind of situation, you know, it might just be one, you know, one pass, get them not at the boundary or something like that. It might help. Um, it's also just unlucky that they had their timeouts left and stuff like that. So, you know, True. it's a little, it's hard to like, you know, really depict and stuff like that, but who expects someone to score in thir- you know, in 13 seconds when Dak Prescott can't even, uh, you know, do a good, do a QB draw and <laughs> kneel in 14. So it's a little, it's a little difficult. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It really shows that it's a game of inches. Um, you know, it, it yeah, it really determines on, uh, I think, uh, it could have gone either way. It, they could have tested to see, it could have gone somewhere else that, other than the 25, but yeah, it's, it's a game of inches. Uh, it could have gone either way. Hmm. I think that if you're, if you're, um, Les, is, is the guy's name Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator? Yes. Leslie Frazier. Yeah. I, I think if you're, if you're Leslie Frazier and you're, you're figuring out that situational, possession at the end of the game you have to have to kick it where it's encroaching on the five four three two one yard line somewhere in that range you can't kick it in the end zone because you don't run time off and you can't run the risk of a squib quick squib kick excuse me because the probability that it runs out of bounds and you advance the ball even further um is too great a risk so I just think that you got to pin them deep and then you got to micromanage the field. You know, you got to, you got to get them to throw to the, you know, you got to get those crossing routes um, in the center of the field. I know it's hard to take away both Kelsey and Tyreek, but you got to make, you got to make it hard for him where he's got to force the ball to Nico Hardman or Clyde edwards or somebody. Hit that sky kick. Well, so sadly going to be another what if and, but all in all, we were in for a treat. The Bills, even though this is a gut-wrenching loss, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC as long as they have Sean McDermott and Josh Allen out there. And then, you know, Mahomes being Mahomes, and we can just hit it right away with the AFC Championship. Let's talk about these picks, guys. First, 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon on CBS Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to Kansas City to play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Right now, the spread's at seven. Quite a spread. So, let me throw it out there. Where do we see this game going? If you are the Bengals, how do you beat the Chiefs? If you're the Chiefs, how do you beat the Bengals? What do you guys think? And uh, throw a final score out there as well. We'll start with uh, Brian on this one. I see a Bengals W um, in the sense of this. Yep. Um, Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times. And I know for a fact the Chiefs defense cannot do that. Tyron's, uh, Tyron Matthew has a concussion, so we don't know if he's going to be cleared. Um, and if you think about the Bills offense, right? Well, let's look at the, the defense of the Bengals, right? Defense of the Bengals is a little bit, is uh, you know probably a few knocks down from you know, the bills, but they're still a good defense and they do make plays. Uh, the bill, the Bengals offense, right. Has better receivers 
than the Bills. They have a better running back than the Bills, and they might have a slightly less quarterback and offensive line than the Bills. But the quarterback has the ability to overcome the obstacle that is their offensive line as seen in the Tennessee Titans game. So in my eyes, it's going to be a very similar game to Bill's chiefs. And I think it's going to end up going down to a 38, 35 Bengals win on a field goal. 38, 35. Okay. Okay. You know, Brian, I actually think um, my heart, really wants the Bengals to win. And I think they can win as long as they keep running the ball. And Joe Mixon has a better game. I think um, if they can make sure that the chiefs get more turnovers and more turnovers mm-hmm. on defense for the Bengals, they can, um, you know, I think that was a big emphasis for the Tennessee game. And if Burrow stays strong with, again, all the weapons he has in a Jamar chase and a Tyler Boyd and stuff like that, I do think, um, it's going to be hard and I will just do it just to be unique. And I think it's going to have to be a a low scoring game. I think it's more going to be like a 26 to 21 Bengals upset. And that's if the planets align. And I really think Zach Taylor and his coaching staff can make it that way. So Tommy, which side do you think this is going? Um, I'm kind of with you on my heart wants the uh, Bengals to win, but I truly think it will be a high scoring game. Uh, Pat Mahomes being his fourth straight uh, uh, AFC championship at home. I think the Chiefs over the Bengals, uh, 31-24. Sweet. What do you have to say, Mr. Ranelio? I'm going to take – the counter op, uh, position with my reality here. I mean, my heart definitely says the Bengals cause I hate the chiefs more than anything in the world besides cancer. Um, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I think this is going to be actually a route. Um, I think every year, the past three or four years, I think we've gotten accustomed to whoever the AFC championship opponent to the chiefs is kind of that classic overachieving team that really breaks out and takes that second step that no one expected. And I think the Bengals are that prototype team. Um, I think Buffalo was that team last year. And I think that Titans were the, that the team the year before. Um, and I thought that, but I think that the chiefs are, overly prepared. I think they're well-oiled machine. I think they're rolling. And um, I got this game 34, 21 chiefs. I think that um, the Bengals just, it's one of those things like it's a nice story and it's been a great story all season. They've been winning tight games and uh, Joe Burrow's the future and he's grown a lot, but I just think that they're up against it in this game. If I'm going to be realistic. See that, hear that. And I think it's going to, is it if Joe Burrow can beat Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead, that right there shows that this is one of the best damn players in the league. This is going to be one of the best teams in the league. And like I said, this Bengals team, a lot of people thought they were a year away, and they're here. Joe Burrow, remember, was injured. He tore his ACL just a year ago, and he's now playing in the AFC Championship, undefeated in the playoffs so far. So... We see what um, we're excited about there. But, hey, if Matt Patrick Mahomes just lays a smack it down on this team and that stellar offense somehow breaks the holes of this defense, which it very well might be able to, I think it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. But, um, yeah, we're, we're going to see somebody make a huge impact 
What's up, Brian? I'll make this comment in my bold take of the game. If Tyron Matthews out, I would say that the key player to the game will be the Bengals tight end CJ Ozama because that mm-hmm. defense is going to be looking at Higgins and Jamar Chase that entire game. And with him, the uh, Matthew out, because he's probably going to be covering the t- covering mainly the tight end. Um, watch for Uzama and Boyd over the middle, um, trying to attack that linebacker, you know, that middle of the field and right in that in between the linebackers and the secondary. That's really going to be where Joe Burrow is going to have to make his uh, make his money on those intermediate routes and crossing routes. Zoom, zoom right there. Great take on that as always, Brian. So let's now talk about the NFC championship. San Francisco is going down to SoFi Stadium to play the Los Angeles Rams. And with this spread, we're at a three and a half point favorite in the L.A. Rams. What's going to happen? Is Jimmy G going to make his second Super Bowl in three years? Are the Rams going to make their return to the Super Bowl, first Super Bowl in four years? Sorry, Jimmy G's first Super Bowl in three years and the Rams, their first Super Bowl in four years. Wait, yeah, I got that right. Semantics rage. Anyway, so bottom line, this team, one of these two teams are going to make a, a return to the big game. And if you're asking me, I think the Rams, this is their game to win. I think the magic of the 49ers is going to fall. And I think they will overtake that spread mightily. I think this um, team with how stacked they are on paper, no one, no major injuries on the team. I think it's going to be very difficult for people like Adebo Samuel and Craig Kittle to go up against such a intimidating secondary with Vaughn Miller playing like an MVP again. I think it's going to be hard for Debo Saber to lose a matchup against Jalen, someone like a Jalen Ramsey. And then Matthew Stafford looks scary out there with all his weapons. I mean, this is going to be like, honestly, I think I'm going to way, go way over the spread. I think this team can beat this 49ers team 28 to 14. I really think they could put up points that they can stop Jimmy G and um, the 49ers offense. I agree with you 100%. I also think it's very hard to beat a team three times in yes. one season. Um, 49ers beat them both. I also think it's going to depend, depend on the health of Trent Williams. Um, and I really don't see um, Garoppolo. Garoppolo has to do a full, you know, 180 and be throw for three, four touchdowns in this game for like 250. So it depends really on Shanahan. They Maybe they go in. Um, with a completely different style of offense, which I could see them shaking it up and go right into passing and put it on Garoppolo a little bit in the first quarter just to see what he does. And then it could always fall back on the running game with Mitchell. But I just think there's too many weapons for uh, an injured secondary throughout the season in the 49ers. And I just don't see um, the offensive line of the 49ers being able to stop that front seven with the Rams. It's just, it's too hard. And with Trent Williams is out, Von Miller might, might have a Super Bowl 50 kind of game um, with some forced fumbles and a few sacks. So it really comes down to health and uh, you know, actual, you know, the intelligence of both coaches. Cause see this right here is the top two, my eyes, the top two coaches in the NFL right now and Shanahan and McVay. So it's really seeing what's going to happen with this. Two young studs who are also once colleagues for the Redskins out of all team, mm-hmm. now the Washington football team. Jay Gruden, who would have thought his tree could be the one? 
but stranger things have happened. What do you say, Tommy? Um, like the ASE, my heart wants the uh, 49ers to win, but uh, it, you can, as you see, uh, the Rams, they've been building up a super team the past couple of years, and it really shows that Matt Stafford was the final puzzle piece, bringing them to the NFC Championship his first year with the team. I think this will be the year they they bring it. Um, I have the well, I have the Rams beating the 49ers 31 to 28. 31 to 28. And Brian, did you give a score? No, I didn't give a score. I think the game will be 31 to 13 Rams. 31 to 14 Rams. You also 13, hitting 13. 13. 31, 13. Two All field goals. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of between the two of you guys. I got the Rams winning 31-23 in a one-possession game. Um, you know, kind of like you said, Brian, I think it's really, really, really hard to beat a team three times in one season. Um, I think there's a lot of questions with Trent Williams and his health. He was limping all game last weekend. Um, I think that it's pretty clear at this point how to beat the 49ers. Um, you gotta, you got to mitigate the run game with Mitchell and, and Debo and I, and you got to take away a lot of the stuff in the center of the field with Kittle. Um, you got to make, you got to put all that weight on Jimmy G to make those big, make, make those big throws. With the Rams, um, they're enigmatic to the core. They can do a lot, a little bit of everything. Um, they're a well-balanced team. And as long as Stafford gets out of his own way, I think that the sky's the limit with them. So, I have them getting out to a lead comfortably and early. Uh, I think the 49ers make it a game in the second half just for the sake of competitiveness. Um, I think that Shanahan makes some second-half second uh, corrections um, in their, their approach. But um, I got the Rams winning, um, holding off uh, 49ers on a final drive. So 31-23. All right. So a nice split down the middle. So this reaction podcast next week will be interesting to see where it goes, but all right. With that, that should be like 10 to six. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. or it's like 24, nothing, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a freaking awesome conference championship weekend. But like I, I said, thanks again, guys, as always, we'll be back. We'll talk about this a week from today and then We'll solely react to it, and then we'll preview it the next week as uh, we get ready for what should be an epic Super Bowl. So it's going to be a hell of a time, and let's us enjoy these games this weekend. So with that, Tommy Brown, Brian McKee, and Alex Rinellio, thank you, gentlemen, as always, for another awesome postseason coverage show. Appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, bud. Thanks, everyone. All right. See you later. All the love to Tommy, Brian, and Alex for another amazing week of NFL postseason coverage. Thank you, gentlemen. It is a pleasure as always. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. We're on Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So, full week of shows next week. We're back on Tuesday and late Tuesday. I want to make that clear. It's going to be very late Tuesday. Early Wednesday morning, as we are going to react to the conference championship games that takes place this past weekend. Expect that 
on your podcast dial on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we're back with some wrestling coverage. It's time to bring back the wrestling crew. We're going to do some Royal Rumble reflection, which takes place this Saturday on the Peacock Network and WWE Network everywhere at 730 Eastern Standard Time. Let's make sure it's an amazing weekend of wrestling. And then, of course, more importantly, an amazing weekend of football. And then we're back to some long-form interviews the next week. February 1st, 2000, sorry, no, not February 1st. It's actually going to be February 8th, 2022. We're going to have my buddy Peter K, who may very well be a big TikTok star or a major YouTube sensation very soon. You're going to want to hear him and his journey. And he also does a performance for us. So we're bringing the musicians back and switching it up to our long-form, productive conversations again. So lots to look forward to with this show. Lots to look forward to as we're getting closer to the end of winter. Just one more month to go, and then it's going to be the spring. And then we have a lot to uh, get ready for. we got to get into the gym and get into shape. we got to be good to people. You got to file our taxes. We got to curve the COVID. There's a lot to do. There's lots to be seen. So let's get to it. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And I'll see you back here on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. All right. See you soon. Peace.